welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Daily Thunder, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y-S-E.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. I'm in here with me this uh, this afternoon. It is now afternoon. It is 12, 16 p.m. Dan Galinsky, as always, and uh, new new guest joining the show here is Ralph, uh, the pull-up king on Twitter. Another KG. I think you're a K- you're a King James Gospel uh, contributor, aren't you, Ralph? What's up? Oh yeah, what's good, yeah. man? I don't. He's not, but we'd love to have. Him. <laughs> oh, you're not. So you're just you're just uh, you're basically just a Cavs Twitter legend, man. At the Pull Up King One on Twitter, Ralph. What's up, man? Hey, what's good, man? Uh, thanks for having me on the show, man. Uh, Dan, uh, Justin. Uh, shoot, I'm time time to talk some Cavs. So yeah, excited to have you here, um, Ralph, again on Twitter. Providing plenty of Cavs content, plenty of draft content, and a fantastic follow. Uh, excited to have you here. Um, so yeah, today basically not a whole lot has happened since our last recording. Um, just kind of continuing to talk about the lottery, uh, what the Cavs might do, how different guys might fit. Um, obviously, I mean, the only thing that's really happened is more Kyle and Sexton news that is the same exact news that we've been dealing with for what, I'd say, probably five months at this point to where um, opposing execs or random source from random team, you know, thinks that the Cavs front office might consider trading Colin Sexton, which gets aggregated and turns into the Cavs are trying to trade Colin Sexton actively. But we're going to get more into this to the other guys first. Um, kind of an interesting development since the time right after the lottery is with Detroit, who obviously won it all. Um, having the number one overall pick, we know Troy Weaver uh, has his own way of doing things. Uh, the way that it's been described is that he doesn't really, you know, fall into groupthink. He wants to make his own decisions. So there has been some speculation that maybe he doesn't go with Cade no- number one overall. Um, it still seems like it's overwhelmingly probably going to be Cade. But there is an outside shot. Uh, and I'll start with you on this one, Dan. Do you think that there's any chance that Cade Cunningham doesn't go one in this draft? And who do you think it would be that they would target over him? Yeah, I don't think there's any way in hell. Um, if there is, I'll have some of what Troy Weaver's having. But uh, I, he seems to be, uh, based on, like, Jeremy Wu's report, um, I mean, you take it with a grain of salt, but it is kind of interesting how they've kind of constructed their roster um, with what he might be seeing in Mobley, I would think. Like, he seems to be kind of all in on length and even Killian Hayes uh, at the one um, just it is kind of interesting how they might be able to construct lineups. Um, would they play Mobley with Isaiah Stewart? I think that'd be kind of intriguing. But uh, with Cade, I mean, even with Jeremy Grant, like he can still play the four a good bit. Um, I just think he's he's just such a seamless fit. He can kind of like morph into any. Um, I, I honestly think like one through four kind of guy, whatever you need. 
Um, I, I don't think there's any way that they don't take him. I think it's interesting because Unless if you look OKC at just, offers like nine first round picks for the next yeah that, amount that's of time. Always, that's about it. Yeah, that's always a possibility, I guess. But I, I think it's interesting with the Pistons because obviously they do have some interesting pieces, being you know Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes. Yeah. Um, I don't think none of these top three guys are poor fits. In Detroit is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you get the you have thing reasoning with Jalen Green too, just because he's a bucket. So, yeah, I mean, I think either him or Cade could play next to um, play next to Killian Hayes. Well, uh, you kind of have a little bit of a center log jam uh, if you take Mobley with him and Isaiah Stewart and um, Plumley. Plumley shouldn't be too difficult to move after the year he had. He's not on a big contract, so you think you could get something done there. Um, but he would be a nice fit next to Jeremy Grant and then, you know, obviously the rest of the guys who are considered part of their core. Um, and I'm not sure if you really consider Isaiah Stewart a long-term starting center anyway. But um, looking at, Ralph, just the fit between all of those guys, do you think that Cade would be the best-fitting player there? And obviously, again, you go with the best talent in that spot, but do you think do you see any real reason as to why they would go a different direction? Um, me personally, I think the only reason why they would maybe think about it as far as going into another direction is, um, if they, you know, maybe look at Jalen Green, uh, you know, you already have, uh, Killian Hayes there. Uh, he only shot, I think under 30% from three, I think it was 27%. So, you know, not going to be too much spacing for Cade. And I remember there was an interview, uh, he had, you know, he mentioned himself as, as a primary, uh, initiator. You know, he thinks of himself as something, what, as a point guard, point four, whatever you call it. So you look at Jalen Green. Um, he might be a better match for Killian, just for the fact that Killian may be better on ball. But at the end of the day, you got to go Cade. Um, I know what was reported that Cade's only going to be working on one team. That one team uh-huh. is going to be Detroit Pistons. So with that being said, you know, usually when Wolves sees it, you know, he's usually nine, you know, point nine nine out of 10. So. And that is just from Cade's perspective, but it does seem clear that, you know, that's what he wants at this point um, to be the number one overall pick and to go to Detroit. I uh, would be definitely a surprise if he were to slip to Houston. I don't think there's any chance um, that he, if he does fall to Houston, that Houston passes up on him and takes Mobley or you know Green at the same time. Um, unfortunately, I, I would say the dream is pretty much still officially dead, even with this news of Caden Cleveland. But um, I don't think that's such a bad thing. I think you still have two, as we discussed last time, fantastic options in uh, Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. And Ralph, I'd be interested to hear, uh, just because, again, we've all talked about, you know, all of these guys for a while now, but I I'm really want to know what you think about it, especially being, you know, someone who does focus heavily on the draft. For this team, do you like Green or Mobley more? For this team, I would have to say Jalen Green. And uh, like I said, Evan Mobley is a very uh, intriguing fit with this Cavs team. Uh, anytime you get a seven-footer that can switch between four and five, that can guard multiple positions. Um, that could score in a multitude of ways. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. But with Jalen Green, look at the problems with the Cavs, and he just had no wing scoring. You know, like without Colin Sexton, without Darius Garland, uh, how many points are we really putting, putting on the board? Um, you know, you look at last year, Jetty Osmond gets five point five attempts a game from three, only shoots thirty percent. Okora three point two attempts, only shoots twenty nine percent. You. Let's, so let's assume Coral gets better as his three-point shooting increases, his uh, efficiency goes up. And let's say you replace Jetty Osmond with someone like Jalen Green, who already shot 5.7 attempts in the G League, 36% from three. So you replace that, and you think about what this team could be offensively, and then you look at the rest of the East, and you look at like how many teams are really going to bully us or give us some type of physical limitations when it comes to even on the defensive end. Usually teams are only going to have two or maybe three players and stuff that can really create their own shot and that can really take advantage. Most of these guys are really catch and shoot. Someone like a Duncan Robinson, someone like a Reggie Bullock. Not every guy on the team, just because you're six, seven, six, eight, means that they're going to take advantage of somebody that might be a few inches uh, shorter than them. So that's kind of my uh, take on that. Yeah, I think looking at some of the top teams in the East, um, obviously the Nets are going to be one. But, I mean, the, the timeline the Cavs run, the timeline the Nets run are, you know, two very different things with the Nets core entering their 30s and the Cavs, you know, not even in their mid-20s yet. So I don't think that's a serious concern uh, long-term. Uh, you can look at a team maybe like the Celtics um, just with, you know, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown being two main guys. Um, if Kemba Walker was still there, that would be another one. But, I mean, you're looking at, 
you know, is Evan Fournier back? So I think that is definitely a fair point, too, as far as just how many other teams are truly going to be able to punish. Maybe, you know, you think long-term LaMelo Ball and, you know, if Terry Rozier sticks around, that could be, you know, somewhat of a problem. But it is a fair point just to say that, you know, how many teams are really truly going to be able to punish if there is, you know, just somewhat undersized in a way that's, you know, seriously going to hamper things. Uh, I think the Jetty Osmond comparison to, to Jalen Green, well, not even comparison, but just kind of saying that he would just kind of fill that role. Um, and you you factor in, you know, improved spacing aspects from Okoro, and I think that that's, you know, another interesting comparison. Um, we mentioned that, obviously, Jalen Green shot 36%. We have to assume that that can go up as well um, as his career progresses. Looking at Mobley, and I'll, I'll go to you on this one, though, Dan. Um, obviously, an interesting fit next to Allen. Um, and we had talked a little bit about, you know, what what directions you could go with Allen if you take Mobley. Obviously, if you you know about whether you believe that that can work long term uh, or not. If you are still, if say you take Mobley um, and you do want to keep Allen, Allen is still in your plans. Maybe you're still a little bit hesitant. Obviously, we've seen reports about, you know, the Cavaliers being prepared to offer Jared Allen a $100 million contract. Um, whether that would be four years or five years, uh, we don't really know. And I don't really know how that changes with the arrival of a guy like Mobley or a report like that. What is the most money that you would be comfortable offering Jared Allen with Mobley on the team? Because I think, you know, there was a point where... I think it was just more important to keep Allen than it would be if we have Evan Mobley, obviously, um, to where the point where we were saying, you know, you might just bite your lip and offer, you know, 22, 23 if you absolutely have to just because it wasn't a guy that you could afford to lose. Yeah. Um, would you still be, I won't even say comfortable because I don't know if you're comfortable doing that, but would you even be, you know, willing? What is, what is I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, would you be, what is the highest number thinking just, you know, average salary that you would be willing to offer Jared Allen in the event that Mobley is here? I think I'd probably go 20 in that case. Uh, I just think with him, uh, I, I think it'd be kind of interesting to see how those two could fit. Um, and also, I mean, I, I, I might be a little bit hesitant in that sense, doing like a an offer for five years, but... Um, I, I think the tr- I think there's more that can come out of him offensively. Uh, I, I think his I think we could see some pick and pop stuff with him. I think that's kind of like there's been flashes of it. Uh, I, I think if he if they really like uh, over the off season working with uh, I can't remember the Cavs shooting coach guy. I think it's his last name's like Olson. Um, uh, but I think if that comes about, um, I think if he can get a little bit stronger, maybe put on 15 pounds. Um, I, I think he could be more of a viable post-up guy. I mean, there's been instances of that as well, but um, more than that is, I mean, I couldn't blame them for being hesitant just because I, in that case, I'd probably rather just, I guess, draft Evan and then um, bring Hardy back. Ralph, looking at, again, just that fit there, um, do you think that a Mobley Allen front court is something that could work long term? Do you think, looking at you know just how those two would fit, do you see that situation as more of something to where? Because first, I guess I'll start by saying this is the way that I kind of view it with Mobley uh, is that obviously a lot of people view him as a natural five. I kind of don't see it that way, and I almost think that he is going to have to play more power forward to start his career just because he is so thin. Do you think I he's... Kind of question is a, can I just ask, like, one thing? Do you think he's a better... Yeah. Do you think his rim protection is more real at the four? It could be. Like, I'm kind of... In a weak side, I mean, he has that length. thinking that, though. Like, I, I hope it doesn't end it, up being, like, a KP thing. No, I don't think it will be. And I don't think... Right, obviously... KP laterally is nothing anymore, though. KP... Well, KP... The, the problem with Kristaps is just the injuries yeah. and the limited yeah. mobility that way. And probably a little bit of a confidence thing, too, just because when you have that many knee injuries, yeah. I mean, it's going to mess with your head a little bit to where you're just not as confident, you know, making that contact. I don't think that is an issue with Mobley, and I don't really see any reason as to why we should be concerned about potential injuries right now with a guy like that. But, yeah, I think... 
it's a it's a fair point that you know from you know the weak side or you know if he's just patrolling the paint some he he could still be you know a, a good off ball you know getting passing lanes but you know you know create problems that way like you said rather than just kind of sticking in the paint whether he's and you know what coverage is he going to run yeah. as a center and pick and roll is he going to drop is he going to you know play the level you know you might be able to switch some with him uh, we we'll, we just have to see but how do you like the fit Ralph with those two and do you think what position do you think he's going to be best at right away what position do you think he's going to be best at long term and how do you think that works with Allen to be honest with you I think Mobley that's a very very great fit to be honest with you um you know you look at the film back at USC uh you watch him and his brother Isaiah Mobley you see how they were able to work together you see how um there were times where one was at a high elbow other person on the opposite block feeding each other um, you know, cuts, uh, picks, all types of things, pin downs. Um, I've seen Moby being able to be on the perimeter, being able to do dribble handoffs, pick some pick and pops, uh, pick and rolls. So, I mean, you could use him in so many ways. Uh, you know, his ball skills and his coordination uh, for his size is not as if he has to be limited to only being on the paint and being a creator uh, within the three-point line. I think he could do a lot of that on the perimeter as well. Um, I think the only problem that occurs is that when it comes to spacing, I think if maybe a coral can maybe get his three point uh, percentage maybe to thirty four percent, I think we're looking at a really um good thing here with that starting five. If not, um maybe we could uh, play him like in some type of Marcus Smart role. How Marcus Smart uh, eventually ended up going to the bench, and he was just kind of that guy that came off the bench and gave a lot of energy. So maybe we get like someone like a um a Duncan Robinson. Not saying we're gonna get him specifically, but someone that just a, you know a shooter. Or someone that's a three and D, whatever uh, it is. But I think a coral can be that in due time. Um, I think that that's it's a great fit with Mobley. Um, I would not be mad at all, um, to be honest with you. And I think honestly, um, I think Mobley actually pushes this team more short term than uh, even Green does, just because of his impact on both sides of the floor. Um, I think he is a four. I think it. Uh, he's more so in like a. Anthony Davis uh, type situation. Not saying that they're the same player, but someone that has the size and a way to play the five, but he's better off playing the four because of his size and things that he's able to do. But this is an important thing with him and Allen. You need to keep both just because you've seen there were times when the Lakers needed to go big. Well, when we go against someone like the Bucks, when we go against Lopez, when we go against uh, Giannis, that's when those two are going to be needed. So you're always going to need that type of insurance as far as some type of um, size in the paint. Um, I think um, you look at things as far as when LeBron would uh, do pick and rolls with uh, Anthony Davis, pass the Anthony Davis in the roll. You got uh, Andre Drummond, uh, obviously, a uh, dunker spot, easy lob. That could be the same thing. Garland Sexton, whoever it may be, pick and roll with uh, Mobley, lob to uh, uh, Allen, whatever it may be, floater. He has a nice touch. So um, I think it really makes sense here. And, again, I would be very happy if you could get him. I think, you know, definitely – the versatility that you have with both of them is valuable. It's just how valuable. And when you're talking about some of these, you know, large extension numbers, um, what what would you feel comfortable, Ralph, offering um, Jared Allen in free agency this offseason? And has that number changed in your mind, knowing that Evan Mobley might be a guy who's now in the fold? Like I was saying with Dan earlier, you know, we were talking about, you know, potentially creeping up into the, you know, not mid-20s, but almost into the mid-20s, you know, annual salary-wise, just because it was that important to keep him. Do you still, you know, view it as that important to keep Allen around? Uh, did you ever view it as that important? Like, how how high were you willing to go, and has that changed with with the potential arrival of Mobley? That's a very good question. Um, I don't think it actually has changed much. Um, to be honest with you, um, the only thing that honestly made me want to rethink it was just in the season, you were able to see that after a while, um, you know, people were able to, I wouldn't say bully him, but I guess, um, you know, when we get, when it gets like a team like the Pacers, uh, you could tell that he was, uh, you know, he was struggling with his size. So, you know, as long as he could maybe get bigger, um, work on more of a consistent, mo- uh, motor, I think, you know, we're in a really good space here, but, um, I think, Four years, uh, 20 mil each year. Um, I think that kind of works out. Um, again and again, um, you know, with Mobley's size and just to have insurance, um, I, I just don't think it's worth losing Jared Allen because, I mean, okay, you lose Jared Allen, well, then, like, who else are you going to have? True. Like, I mean, I don't really see us getting a better center 
Yeah, you're probably if you lose Allen, you're probably just committing to Mobley, Hartenstein, maybe Kevin Gailey sticks around. You know, another cheap option, but you're, oh, probably, God, you're not Kevin replacing Gailey. Allen. Oh God, no. I'm talking about you know just the guys you're going to have on your roster next year. Like th- that's what you're looking at. Yeah. You're not going to get anybody more than maybe a minimum guy if you if you move on from Allen. It's not like you're going to get a, an Allen replacement. You're dead. You're basically putting Hartenstein in that role. Deadman was Deadman was just like a minimum, right? Deadman was like a mid-season minimum, so he made... I mean, that's maybe one. Deadman, I'm trying to think. Uh, Deadman, let's pull up his salary. Yeah, he made... He's on the, he was on the heat, right? Yeah. Yeah, he made basically 433000 this year because he was a mid-season pickup, so he had a prorated minimum. But yeah, I mean, you could, I guess, just kind of take your pick from the, the bucket of, you know, minimum salary guys, whether it's... Brooke. I, I don't know or if no, Dwight Robin, Howard I mean. would want to... I, maybe how or maybe Robin's a minimum. Maybe I, I think he might be more than that. You're yeah, looking at maybe Alex Len. Ugh. You know, I don't know if Nerlens Dwight Howard would want to come here. Nerlens is going to be more than minimum too. I think. think. I think he's had a good enough year. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think. I mean, actually, no. Let's see, he'd be was, part. He'd be like. He could be like six. Yeah, I'd say Nerlens was well above him this year, and he played really well. And, yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, you're maybe he's looking so at guys like. That's a problem, but, you know, whether it's Ed Davis even or Hassan Whiteside, like, that's the type of guys that you're talking about on a minimum. Um, so, I, I definitely – you're not definitely going to replace that. I think you'd be leaning – you're probably starting Allen – or you're probably starting, rather, Mobley at center in that situation, but you're, you're pretty much relying on Hartenstein to take all those backup center minutes. You know, maybe Kevin Love some, maybe Larry some. You know, and maybe you do get one of those minimum guys and you don't lean on them too heavily and just, you know, say, hey, if you can go for 10 minutes, you know, some nights. But, you know, having Allen, if you're looking to if you're looking to make the playoffs, if you're looking to, you know, keep talent around, it's not like you're going to do better than Allen. And again, it does give you long term flexibility because you're not committing that money. But um, I don't know. I just I struggled I, I don't think that's the direction that this front office is gonna go with you know them having some pressure on them it seems like at this point to start winning sooner rather than later on Kobe Altman really acknowledging that even I just I don't think that they let Allen walk because I just don't see a better short term answer to you know what you could do with that position um but you had mentioned Ralph saying that you think that Mobley you know would make a bigger impact on this team right away than Jalen Green. I think that's kind of contrary to common belief, at least among you know Cavs fans that I've seen. Um, just because, again, because of the explosive scoring abilities of Jalen Green, obviously the, the defense is not as far along as Mobley's. Um, but looking at just the impact that Evan Mobley would make, what do you? Where do you think his shot is at right now? What What do you expect him to be as an offensive player in year one? And how much do you believe in his shot long term? Long term, I mean, I think I really believe in it just because uh, he just has really good touch around the rim. Um, I, I know his free throw percentage wasn't the best. I know he only shot 30% from three. I know he didn't shoot a lot of attempts, but man, um, I think he's just highly skilled. I mean, I just think you bet on those type guys. I think you just bet on those type guys that, you know, that are always in the gym, um, um, that knows where they need to get better at and is going to work at that. Um, I think one thing that people have to remember about Mobley is that he's a very, very safe player. Now, let me uh, explain what I mean by that. So, I don't think he likes to make mistakes. Um, I think everything he does, he tries to do to perfection. With that being said, I think that is a reason why you may not see him take some type of shot that he's actually able to do because he wants to be perfect and he wants every shot to be a good shot and he's in that nature, which is a good thing. But I think the next level to Mobley is him being unlocked and a coach telling him, Go out there and, you know, do whatever, try new things. And, um, I think once you are able to see that, I think that's when you'll see, okay, I, I think this guy can actually shoot. You know, I think he already has a nice mid range. He has a nice short corner shot. Um, I, I've seen him do a, a couple, uh, mid post fadeaways, um, contested too. Uh, corner threes, uh, contested. So, um, I'm, I'm really high on his jump shot, um, for his size long term. Dan, where are you at on his shot right now? Do you think that that is something that he could make an impact with in year one? I, I that's that's actually great analysis by Ralph. Um, I'm ne- I've never heard that specifically, but it makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. And part of it is, I mean, Andy Enfield, like who was KPJ's coach uh, at SC, like just I don't just doesn't seem to let guys kind of just hoop. 
at times. I think he kind of, I think that's part of it. And, um, that, that, that's very well said, uh, by Ralph, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with him. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, I think Bickerstaff seems to have let kind of bigs like shoot more. And I, I think it's, it's actually a good, uh, I think he'll let him kind of go to work a little bit more, um, get to it. Well, yeah, I mean, we've obviously we've seen it with... I, I think he, I think the pull up will be there. More, I think that we would see him a lot in the mid post where he can kind of get to those fadeaways. I think that would come more because um, I think it, it, I mean there's just not many fours would have a lot of problems with him um, just with his wingspan. Just I don't know how many guys would be able to really contest his shots, um, but I, I don't know if I'd really see like a ton of catch and shoot with with him in year one. I think that the three would be kind of on low volume, but I, I think it's definitely. Um, I, I'm bullish on it in the future. I don't know how much in year one, but um, especially like if you were to maybe just like initially come off the bench. Um, I, I mean, I have to figure out something with Kevin Love and Ants, whatever. But um, I, I just think, yeah, I think he can kind of almost like in a way have. I think there actually could be some big to big pick and roll with him and Allen on occasion. I think that'd be something to look forward to. Uh, but. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Ralph. I think if he kind of just gets the green light, I think we'd see it more. I want to kind of transition over to Jalen Green. Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about uh, what his fit would look like with Darius and Colin, whether it would work, whether it wouldn't. Um, obviously, we'll get to more of the, the Colin trade conversation in a minute just because it is out there. But um, in the event that you do take Jalen Green – I guess kind of in a similar way to just the conversation we just had, Ralph, about, you know, how did you view a potential extension with Jared Allen before and after the potential addition of Evan Mobley? I want to ask the same question with Colin as to how did you – where were you at with Colin Saxon as far as potential extension before the lottery? Um, obviously, uh, there are a lot of different opinions that can be had. There's obviously the trade him camp. There is the extend him now camp, you know, max him now camp. <laughs> um there's, you know, plenty of options in between as to whether, you know, you can wait it out. You don't have to do it this offseason. You can wait until next offseason and just see how the year plays out. Um, where are you at with a potential Colin extension right now? And, again, has that changed with the potential addition of Jalen Green? Uh, with me, it hasn't changed at all. Um, to be honest, Jalen Green was actually on the top of my draft board uh, for the cast for a very long time. So, um, you know, that's who I wanted. Um, that's who I think is best fit. Um, you know, with Colin, I think he was number four with double teams this year. Um, having somebody that he can defer to, that can constantly attack, that's going to have that, you know, that scoring mindset, someone that uh, is going to take some pressure off of him, I think would be good. Um, I think a lot of people are, um, I guess when it comes to Garland, I guess a lot of people aren't measuring him to the um, standard that I think that he should be at. Um, I, I see a lot of like Dame Willard comparisons, which I can see why they could say that. But the way I look at him, it's all more like a Chris Paul type. Um, I think if he wanted to, at some point in his career, of course he could score 24, 25, 26 probably points if he, if he wanted to. But I think with his mentality, the way his game style is, the way that he wants to make everyone on the floor better, I think, uh, you know, you're looking at someone that maxes out around like 21 points a game, maybe nine assists, maybe 22 and 10 um, when it's all said and done. Uh, with that being said, uh, I think he's best fit with, again, two other guys that could get their shot anytime, uh, three-level scores, efficient, uh, someone that, that could run the break. Um, you know, I know Cavs were one of the top teams in uh, dunks this year. Jalen Green is going to attribute to that. Uh, he's someone that helps that. Um, with a facilitator like Sexton, uh, you know, it's important that we get shooting help. Uh, Allen was a great um, fit for someone like Garland. Uh, someone like him that, uh, you know, has those type handles and stuff like that and that uses his IQ and everything like that to get downhill um, because of his, uh, you know, physical limitations. They need someone like Allen. So that's why you can see that that fit kind of looks a little bit more better than someone like Sexton that likes to get downhill and uh, usually looking for kickouts and dump offs and things of that nature. Uh, that's right. Like I said, I think that's where Jalen Green comes in. Um, with addition to that, I think you were to add Jalen Green. I think people have to remember that he would probably come off the bench first, just like Anthony Edwards, just like Lamelo Ball. 
Um, regardless of probably how he does in summer league, eventually I think he does earn that three spot. Um, and I think at that point, Cass has to make a decision. Um, in my opinion, I would like to see a Scarlet, Sexton, Green, Nance, uh, Allen lineup with uh, Dean Wade getting a lot of uh, chunk of minutes, uh, uh, adding another uh, forward, you know, with Prince, you know, other guys off the bench and stuff of that nature. So, um, like I said, it doesn't change at all for me. I think it's a perfect fit, in my opinion. Um, I think people need to uh, see how it goes first without trying to make uh, theoretical, hypothetical problems that they've never seen before because they have never seen them play together before. So let's, you know, take a break real quick, take a pause, and, you know, let's wait to see what the Cavs do first. When that happens, you know, let's hope for the best and not let, not, let's not be pessimistic on, you know, what the future problems may be. That's kind of where I'm at too, Ralph, as far as just take it into the season, watch it play out, and then if it doesn't work out, then, again, say worst-case scenario does happen, um, and it just isn't working out with the three of them. But say Jalen Green does look great and you don't want to move him, you don't want to move Garland. If you do in that event have to move Sexton, you can do it at you know at the deadline. But I don't think it's anything that needs to be done now just because, again, we haven't seen it play out. Uh, with that being said, obviously Colin is extension eligible this offseason. Uh, would you consider extending him now? Um do you, do you want to wait until next offseason to do so? Uh, just, again, so you can see how it all works out. And... Um, what numbers would you be comfortable giving him? Because again, you know, we talked about with, with Jared, um, just how it's kind of changed. I'm personally not in the give Colin and Max this offseason camp. I think if you could come to an agreement of something in the kind of mid twenties range, um, I might consider it. But I think, especially if Jalen Green is in the fold, it would just be important to see them play. And say Colin has a good year, and you know he's a restricted free agent next offseason. If you have no other option than to max him, I think at that point, I think you'd do it. Um, again, if it works out, if it doesn't, you know maybe you can leverage that into a smaller salary. But where are you at with just an extension number for Colin right now? And are you in favor of doing it now or waiting? Um, I'm actually in favor of doing it now. Now, there's reasons for that. Uh, one, I don't think that it's smart for... Uh, there to be some type of hovering uh, cloud among. That's definitely the other, the other, I guess, kind of reason to do it now. Right, and you know, you already see all this other drama, and you've seen everything that happened last year. Do you really want to go to another season where everyone's like, "Are the Cavs going to trade Sexton? Are the Cavs going to do this? What's the fit like?" Blah blah blah. Um, I don't think that's something that's healthy, especially for the culture they're trying to build. Um, I don't think it's a good look to other people on the team that you got a guy in there that works his butt off. Thank you. Thank every you. Year and you're not going to um, basically reward him. You basically got to tell him, oh, you got to try a little bit harder. Um, that doesn't really make sense to me. Also, you're also betting on yourself you're the Cavalier. So let's say you don't give him any type of contract this year, which next uh, year. Well, what happens if whoever we draft works out and context improves again. Well, now you even have to pay him more money than you probably would have this year. So I think... Well, I guess my thought process there is that if Kyle asks for a max this offseason mm-hmm. to where you would be giving the same amount of money next offseason as you would this. Mm-hmm. I think, well, and, and I agree with that, but um, I, I just feel like there's a chance that whatever that max contract may be could look a little bit more higher, especially if we're winning on top of that too. And, and I know that's what Kobe <clears> wants <throat> to do. Uh, with that being said, um, the, what I'm looking at is if you are going to do a max, which I think he does deserve, and we're going to benchmark it to other guys in this league, I think, you know, past fans can not really complain too much about a five-year $150 million. Um, Someone like Fox got, I think, even like $15 more million than that, um, at least. So um, I, I think that's pretty good. Um, I think maybe the least that we may see – it may be a four-year, $135 million if Colin would accept that. And I'm pretty sure, you know, fans would probably be a little more happier about that. But um, I'm not sure his agent is going to accept that. I don't know. I'm not in those type of talks. And I, I don't think no one knows, too. I think a lot of people want to assume as if there's going to be some type of um, problems with the contract negotiations. But, I mean, you look at the history between, you know, sex and relationship with the franchise. It doesn't seem as if there's going to be some type of problem where at least we would know about to the public. Uh, it, looks, it looks like Dan Gilbert is a fan of his. Uh, you know, Kobe Altman mentioned him at uh, press conferences. So, um, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think if they can make it work, then why not? I, I don't see the point in waiting. Um, of course, of course, with any player, if it doesn't 
you know, look to be that they could agree on both sides. And of course, you wait to the next year. That's with anybody, no matter how good you are. But I think they could come to terms with something. Of course, like you know, sign a dotted line. So you would be willing to give Colin a max this offseason? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Now, again, it wouldn't okay. be no type of super max or anything like that. Well, no, 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 no. It wouldn't be a super max. Yeah, but if we're talking about... The, the 25% of the cap max. Yeah, if, yeah. If we're talking about, you know, I guess the, the lowest number of a max that you can give, yes, I would definitely give that to him just because I'm betting that he's going to continue to do what he's doing and more. And we've seen him improve in areas that we want him to improve in. So um, I think that's important when you're looking at the- it's funny because despite all of this, there are still plenty of rumors about Colin out there. Um, obviously, I think this time it was Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated reporting that the Cavaliers were, you know, going to be active on the Colin Sexton trade market that they're open to trading in. I, I believe, I believe Wu. I don't believe Mike Amico. I don't know who to believe in these situations because, again, with Amico, it's always, it's, you it's know, exploring. Oh, it's not like that means like it's imminent. No, and I, I totally understand yeah, I that. But legit. again, it's just it gets it gets turned into obviously like the Cavaliers are trying to trade rather than you know keeping their options open and looking at you know offers for Sexton. It turns into the Cavaliers are actively trying to trade Colin Sexton as soon as they can. Blah 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 blah. Amico aggregates it, and it's you know Colin Sexton one hundred percent out of Cleveland. Whatever, but um. Dan, what do you make of, you know, I mean, obviously that's one mindset you can have, and I don't, I'm don't. i not sure that the Cavaliers have the same mindset. Uh, again, I think we are kind of, we view things a little bit differently as far as I think, Dan, you're in the camp of, of you know, still being fully willing to give Colin that extension this offseason, right? Well, I, I mean, I'll die on the hill if I have to. I'm with Ralph. Um, I, I don't, again, we've, we've touched on this all over and over and over and over and over. Um, if you don't pay Colin... Um, you're better. I I think Jalen Green is going to be like unreal. I I really do. But I'm with Ralph in that you look around teams like there are not many teams where like if you have those two and then Green for good stretches, that that's going to be very hard to guard. And I don't think fans understand like teams teams do not just like they're going to run their sets. They're not just going to match like. Trey Young at, t- at times against the Bucks got in trouble when he matched up on it too much, and and then he stopped doing that and he just got bucket after bucket after bucket in that floater game. Um, the Cavs would have three guys that would be a real pain in the ass to guard, and I, I t- in my opinion, I will take like to me you get to kind of the next level so to speak as a team in this situation. Like it's a luxury to have three shot creators and. We had, I mean, it's it's not, again, it's not an exact replica, but it's kind of similar to with Porter. And, like, if we gave that more time, like, these three could really be really, really, really dynamic. And um, Colin and Green being those kind of slasher guys that can, and Green, I mean, is, like, he can finish over top of that big who's dropping. Like, he can take it to them. And I just think the amount of pressure they would put on defenses would be something we, we don't see very often. And, yeah, DG's kind of playmaking and shot creation in there. I, I just I, – I, you're banking on – like, you're putting a ton of undue pressure on Jalen right off the bat if you trade Colin, like, fairly early on before even allowing that three – those three to get going. And I, I would personally rather keep Sexton. And you know what? I wouldn't do it again. I'm I'm not JB Bakerstaff or like whomever. But I if you moved Sexton eventually, like people would say you'd have to be off the bench, and it clearly doesn't work. Then I'll eat my words. But I'm willing to say that Colin Sexton's not going to regress. And again, I think the defense, like if you have two guys that are highly active bigs, like I actually think Dean Wade would mesh with that three with those three really well, because he's a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, kind of an yeah, so un- untapped mid-post game I think they could go to a little bit is kind of an in-between counter, too. Um, I-, I would pay Colin just because I think his... To me, like, if you're giving a guy like... If De'Aaron Fox... I I don't really think there's, like, a huge difference between those two. I know they're different players, but... I mean, De'Aaron has 
the ball in his hands constantly. And nobody, like, yes, he gets assists, but it's because of the pressure he puts on defenses downhill. And, like, I think Colin can be fine as a secondary uh, playmaker. Um, And I think if you do sign sign him to a max, you know you're getting a worker, you're getting a grinder. um, You're getting kind of a culture guy. And if you get that guy out of your locker room, I'm telling you, that's going to be a problem. Why is it, do you think, then, that there is seemingly hesitancy from the Cavs to commit to the core like this? And why do you think that there are trade rumors out there? I just think they're doing their due diligence, but they have until the start of next season. So I think that's all it is. And I just think they're trying to kind of drown it out a little bit. Um, We'll have to again see if they do get um, Jalen Green. But if I'm not, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to like curse it on myself, but. If they moved Colin for Jalen Suggs, I, I I'm not kidding. I would, I might be done as a Caps fan. Like I, I might be done. Like it, you're banking on a lot from e- like either of those two better be perennial all stars. If you're not, if you're not gonna pay Colin, they better be all stars like soon. Because I, I personally would not want to lose that guy in, in my locker room. He's damn twenty two year old bucket and. Yeah, does he have a little bit of tunnel vision at times? Sure. But you look around on the roster that we had, and Kevin Love, the limitations, whatever. Other than, like, I, I really like Dean, but who is who do these fans want, who did they want him to pass to? Like, did they understand that the Cavs had, he did that that efficient scoring, and then people will say, oh, the true shooting was just over league average. For a guard... With the lack of spacing, <laughs> to score that much, to have to score to that shoot much with over just over true shooting is good. League average like, that's is really good. Is damn good. It's like special, and I, I wouldn't want to lose that guy. I, I'm probably in the minority, but I, I'm with Ralph. I got I I pay. I think selling Sexton anywhere would be a mistake if you're just going to go the asset collection route and you know push that thing, push that timeline out even further as to you know when. When you are going to get back to competitive basketball, I think that would be a massive mistake. You better be bringing back um, Brandon Ingram or Jalen Brown. Those are the two. I, I'm not sure. Tr- if they people want to trade him and, and the three for Ben Simmons, th- I'm sorry they don't know basketball. That's a, that's don't. horrendous. They yeah. Don't. And again, I, I am a very pro Ben Simmons person, and I will say that. You know, it's I a really good don't player. care about the. I mean, no doubt. Well, I'm not going to say I don't care about the lack of shooting, but like. The it's dude is still incredibly good, and I would I would love to have him on my basketball team. But if the you're Warriors, talking about Colin Sexton the and the third, all over him. That's the team that needs him. Ah, that, like, that the would Warriors would be cool. I just well. don't think they have. I just don't think they have anything to offer. That's my thing. I think like, I think Nick the, White proposed Andrew Wiggins, did you see Draymond what? Green, James Wiseman. Like, what do they want? None of that. The yeah. Philly doesn't want any of that. Yeah. Well, but um, who knows? And I would like to add something real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, uh, just to say, uh, you know, per NBA.com, um, you know, uh, Dan mentioned, uh, Dean Wade, you know, Dean Wade is shooting 37 and a half percent off of three pointers from, uh, passes from Sexton, uh, Garland, 40%, um, Kevin Love, 43%, um, Larry Nash, 34, uh, Prince is shooting 52% uh, from passes from Colin Sexton, uh, Dylan Winder, 37. So, you know, with that being said, like I said, I, I just don't think you move someone like that. I think at the end of the day, you make it work. You know, I think we're younger uh, than someone, uh, you know, people have to compare us to, which I don't think we compare it to, but someone like Portland. So, you know, we're a lot younger than them as far as the stage that we're in. Like, we know what we have. So we have more leverage to make moves, to make all this stuff uh, work. So I, I think really we pair, I, like, I come back to Charlotte. That's the team that I think we honestly kind of mold after if they got green, just because they played Lamelo uh, with Devante and, and Terry Rozier, and they had a ton of success with that. And obviously, Gordon Hayward going down hurt and Lamelo. But again, before those two got hurt, they were the four seed, and like that team is coming, and they have got obviously like they have a guy. Um, like honestly, like McDaniel's, I really like as a role player. Um, I mean, the cat, like, if Dylan Windler can, can actually do, like, provide what he can if he's ever healthy, like, that could be another kind of X-factor guy for you off-movement shooter, 
that could mesh well. Um, it, I mean, in other lineups, and and I still think like Larry Nance, like I, he still like has value as a secondary playmaker for you, and I, I just I think Wade with those three would like that'd be fit really well. The question I was going to ask you, Ralph, um, Dan, you mentioned Brandon Ingram and uh, Jalen Brown as two names. Is there anybody you know if you were to package Sexton? To, to, you know, make a talent upgrade, what level of player do you think you'd have to bring back? Would you be willing to do it for Ingram or, or Brown? Or is, you know, is there somebody else out there? Obviously, we're not talking about, you know, the upper echelon of guys, you know, whatever, you know, top 10 players. But, you know, who are the guys that you would be okay with in a trade that could realistically happen? You know, thinking again, like the Brandon Ingrams of the world, the Jalen Browns of the world, not saying that either of them will be made available, but is there anyone else in that tier that you would, you know, entertain trading Colin for? I would say Ingram would not be one of them just because I just, the, the gap just is not big enough uh, for me. Um, I, from what I've seen, I mean, he's a very great player. I think he even has a lot more room to improve. Uh, I just think that uh, his team isn't just built around him. But um, I don't really see that working. I don't really see that even happening as far as um, David Griffin even accepting that. Uh, Jalen Brown, uh, would I do that? I mean, of course, Jalen Brown is a better player right now. Would I do it? Well, at that point, um, you know, what are we giving up? Because you're not just giving up sex. And so you get to the point where you realize that in most situations, you're going to lose whatever trade you're going to trade sex in. And more than likely, you're not going to get, um, those type of caliber players, someone like an Ingram. Cause I'm sure. Uh, you know, Griffin doesn't value Sexton so much where it's like, okay, we're gonna get rid of Ingram and put Sexton here. Uh, same with the uh, with the Celtics. I don't, I don't think that they'll ever think. Well, I know Jalen Brown isn't working, so let's bring in Colin Sexton. I don't think that would be the type of player that a lot of these teams um will be looking for. Well, it's it's basically packaged with like Kevin yeah. Love for pa- packaged with and, other stuff. And the three overall pick. You have. And I don't know if I would even do it for the I'm not saying I, I would do a future right, but I I just it just it's yeah, like an you're alternative. Not, you're not if, just, it, if it you're not worst case scenario it came to it. Well, th- well, this is what I was going to say. So as far as you know, someone like Boston per se, you know, they're trying to win right now. So that's why you know I don't yeah. even think they were so, uh, someone that would do that. Someone like uh, Pelicans, they have Zion Williamson. Williamson. I don't think they want to keep playing around with the younger players. But if we are going to talk about a team that may be interested as far as rebuilding and taking on a Colin Sexton, taking on a third pick. But at that point, we'd be looking at someone like the Washington Wizards uh, with someone like a Bradley Bill if they were ever to blow it up. So with someone like Sexton, you would have to be looking at teams that are trying to blow things up, that have been trying to win for years, that has a star that is gruntled and things of that nature that they would look to trade. Those are teams that I think that would, um, you know, I guess be interested, but it's not that many of them. Uh, the Wizards no. is someone I could think of. I can't really think of anyone else that that are trying to blow things up right now. They would do something like that. Yeah, again, I think when you look at it, it is just stars that maybe aren't happy with their current situations um, that maybe want out or teams just trying to shake things up. Um, I think obviously you're not just trading for sex and it would be a package, whether it is Kevin Love. Uh, you can debate what kind of value Kevin Love would have past salary matching in these situations, but you also have guys you know, Tari and Prince, Larry Nance, who both make, you know, a fair amount of salary that have value as players. You know, Jetty Osmond is another guy who could be playable for a team that has, you know, the similar kind of salary range. Um, and it doesn't even have to be this year's pick. You know, you have plenty of picks moving forward. It's just about making packages, which again, you know, Colin Sexton alone, no, it wouldn't be enough for Brandon Ingram. You'd have to include other stuff. And I guess, you know, thinking about it in those contexts, it just is Colin Sexton... Plus, you know, having a versatile guy in Larry Nance, plus having another bench scorer in Tarian Prince, you know, does that get you into conversations with teams that, you know, are maybe having to sell low on these stars because the situations have just gotten so bad? And again, I don't think you consider Colin trades, at least I wouldn't consider Colin trades right now, unless it's in those types of situations, which don't happen all that often. So I'm with you in that standpoint as to where I just, I don't think that there's anything that really makes sense there. Um but Dan had mentioned Jalen Suggs um, as just another guy, you know, obviously who will be there at that point in the draft. Um, and, and we won't dive any deeper, me and Dan, into what we think of Jalen Suggs. But I'd be interested to hear what you think of him, Ralph, um, both as a prospect and as a fit with this team. Because I think 
you know, clearly he's not the most popular name among Cavs fans, um, at least most Cavs fans, as far as, you know, who people want. Um, how would you react to the Cavs drafting Jalen Suggs, I guess, is what I will say. How I react? I mean, I'll be uh, I'll be pretty pissed off as a uh, Cavs fan if they were to uh, <laughs> draft um, Jalen Suggs, especially if we're talking about Mobley or Green still being on the board. I just think that is almost irresponsible. I, I just I just feel like you know you have Garland and Sexton. I'm not one of those people that um of the belief that Suggs is already a better player than Garland and Sexton. I have no idea why people think that. But um, when I look at Jalen Suggs, he's a very good player. Do not get me wrong. He's a two-way player, going to like to push the pace, that could get downhill, and that could do things of that nature. Who do I um, compare him to as far as people in this league? Would I look at him as far as someone, as someone like a Halliburton, as someone like a um, Lonzo Ball? Those are guys that I'm thinking of, guys that are looked at as kind of secondary playmakers, but, um, you know, can push the pace. Um, can get downhill. Not well, Lonzo doesn't really get downhill that often, but Halliburton does. So that's why I, I you know I put the two um, by each other. But um, you know, Jalen Suggs isn't a shot creator. Uh, you know, you look at his highlights. Most of his points are you know off of hustle points, transition. Um, you know, cuts to the basket, things of that nature. So he's more of like a slasher, uh, more so in the half court. He's not someone that's going to um, you know do a couple moves on you and you know pull up on you. I don't I don't really see him being that type of player. Not saying that he can't get better at those things, but, you know, for the Cavs' sake and the things that we need, I don't think that he fits the bill here. Um, I think that's just another logjam. Um, what is he doing anything differently than our two guards other than him playing defense? But then again, he's a rookie. How good a defense is he going to really be playing these first couple of years? I mean, let's be honest, especially going against uh, these stars in this league that play the one and two position. So at that point, how how far is he really pushing the need, uh, the needle if he isn't filling any of the spots uh, that that we're lacking in? So uh, that's my thoughts on that. Again, very great player, but with this high, um, you know, talented draft, I just I just would not draft him top three. It, it just a uh, secondary playmaker, not someone that that's best you know attribute is scoring and putting the ball in the basket, which is a very important part of this game. Not saying that he can't do it at all, but that's not who you take over a guy like Jalen Green. And Evan Mobley and Kate Cunningham or whoever is going to be in that top three, that's that's not what you do. <laughs> I just think it with that. Dan, I know I said that we weren't going to get more into it, but I do just want to ask you the question because we kind of we we went into it a tiny bit last episode, but I want to get into it just a little bit more. Um, Ralph Dan is somebody who is maybe like the lowest I have seen on Jalen Suggs. I just want to hear a list, Dan. Um, Looking at, obviously, there's the top five, I think, in most people's minds of Cade, Jalen, Mobley, um, well, Jalen's, rather, Green and Suggs, and Kuminga. Um, how, what I'd take Cam other, Thomas over Jalen Suggs any day. I was just going to say that. Any I want you to list day. Any what, damn day. How many guys outside of that top five would you take over Suggs? Barnes. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a fair one. I'd, I think Scotty Barnes is one I would consider. I'm, I'm not I, sure I would, but I think I'd consider. I know the Cavs wouldn't. I know people will not like it, but I'd take Moses Moody, too. He's the same age. He's a freshman. The, and the thing is, I think he's got untapped shot creation potential. Like, there's many flashes of that at Arkansas, and he had to do a ton for them. Like, he had to play make. Um, I, I think there's a lot with him that's untapped. I, I like him a lot. Um, okay, so we got the list. Barnes, Moody, Cam I, Thomas, obviously. I, I don't like Kai Jones, frankly, for the Cavs, but I take him. Um, I, I'm I'm just very low on Jalen Suggs. I just don't see he doesn't he doesn't have an elite skill, athleticism at the NBA level. Again, I, I don't like if you say athleticism with Jalen Green. Okay, like he's okay. Like, there you go. Jalen Suggs is still a good athlete, though. He like, he's a, good a very athlete. good, I, like, I'm, even I'm among NBA he's terms, not, he's a good athlete. But in the in half court offense, I, I Garland's going to be like that's your playmaker, really. And can he play? Like, how viable is he off the ball? I, I don't know. Like, you're fin. He, he would fin. Like, he'd get buckets in transition. Um, you know, banked in a three. Like, okay. Uh, it, I mean, if he shot 34% at Gonzaga 
And, I mean, played with Corey Kispert, played with other guys that are, like, knockdown shooters. I, I just, I don't see how he, I don't think he's a needle-moving guy. I think what Ralph said about Lonzo is a good comp. Um, I, I like his passing, but is he that creative as a passer? I don't know. I mean, I a lot of the passes were in transition. I, I just, I'm not that high on Jalen Suggs. Um, again, we could nail it down. If the Cavs drafted him, they're, they're, they're going backwards, my opinion. I'm assuming you would also take Book Knight over him. You're oh, book that's guy. the guy I forgot about. Yes, James Book Knight, I'm very, 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 very high on. Yeah, I, I think he is a... He's made for the league. I'll tell you that. Anybody else? Sangoon, Garuba, Franz, any of the other I, guys? I'll probably uh, tap Giddy? it. I'll, I'll tap it at that. I'll say he was okay. be like nine on my board. Okay. Eight or nine. No, I wouldn't take Wagner over him. I'll give you that. Because I know you're going to ask that. <laughs> I was surprised by the Kai Jones one just because I know you're not that high I on mean, him. I mean, I'm not high on him for the Cavs. But I do, like, in that case, I do get the potential. Like, he could be a special player down the road. I, I don't know what the ideal role is for him. Like, I, I think he'd be, I think he could actually be a jumbo three down the road. Um, but I, there, where he goes will really dictate. Like, if he ends up going to, like, San Antonio, that could be a great fit. As far as, uh, obviously, like, we talked about the fit, Ralph, but is there any, are, is there anybody in that group, in that next tier that you would take over Suggs? Like I said, I still view him as a top five prospect in this draft. Um, I think the one guy who like you could get into a conversation with is Scotty Barnes. I really don't see anyone else like leaping over him as far as like guys I like more. Um, is there anyone in that second tier, or third tier, or whatever you want to call it, the the, the tier behind him consensus wise that you would any guys in that group that you would take over him? I if I'm at the top of the draft, I am most certainly. Um, taking a swing at Kaminga over him just because if you're already drafting that high, you might as well get one of the guys who's going to have one of the highest upsides, which I think is uh, Kaminga. I know, um, you know, I think he had a pretty solid year in the G League, but I know shooting the ball and everything like that, uh, he may have struggled. But at the end of the day, uh, you can't deny that type of size and that type of uh, talent and just knowing that he's able to uh, continue to grow and um, get better in areas that he's lacking. So I think uh, Jonathan Kaminga is one. Um and uh dance at Camp Thomas. I would definitely That's uh, that's his that's his dude, for sure. Okay. He's a bucket though. Yeah, I, I, I just I just think if he's in the right situation, then people would see why one would say that. If he goes to a bad situation, then you know, at, at that point he's, he's probably gonna be some type of, you know, six man Lou Will. But if he goes to the right situation, he's a bona fide shooting guard, someone that reminds me of a uh Michael Red or Brandon Roy. Uh, you know, someone that I, I think I could really be a dominant two guard in this league. So I think I, I would take Cam Thomas over him. Um, I definitely would take Scotty Barnes just because, um, I think Scotty Barnes, I mean, okay, Jalen Suggs is a better shooter, but other than that, I think Scotty Barnes check marks everything else either as good or even better than Suggs. Um, I just think his impact as, as far as his size and, you know, his IQ and, Things that he's able to do is just uh, next to you know none. So um, I would definitely agree with Barnes, but that really is about it. I think at some point uh, you have to be safe and take uh, Jalen Suggs, um, you know, in that top five, top six area. But um, th- those are the only guys that I personally uh, like over him, depending on what team I am. But I think the best fit with Suggs is uh, the rap. I was just going to say that I think he's in a perfect situation in Toronto. I, I will say that uh, Toronto, I, I think if uh, that's who's uh, left, I think that that's the person they should uh, take that uh, gamble on. Um, I just think him and Van Fleet is a pretty good fit. It uh, will relieve a lot of pressure off of Suggs as a ball handler, as a um, little bit of a scorer and things of that nature. And, you know, just them two bringing that, you know, that tough mindset, both ends, hustle. Um, and, you know, tough mindedness and things of that nature. I think that's where um, that fit resides there. You mentioned Kaminga as another guy. Uh, I think that is definitely someone who I have on my board above of him. I, I have Kaminga, I think, kind of firmly at number four as far as guys I would be willing to take. Um, but being that the Cavs are at number three, 
Kaminga is obviously a guy who we've talked about a lot. I, you know, I think, again, among consensus mock drafts, whatever you see, Kaminga kind of seems like that number five guy. Um, and even if the Cavs never had a great chance at the fifth overall pick, um, having the fifth best odds, that was often a guy you would see mock to Cleveland. Do you think, and we've seen, I think, a little bit of stuff with, you know, both Kaminga and Scotty Barnes lately kind of being their stock rising maybe just a little bit. Um, do you think that there is even a remote chance, Ralph, that we could see Kaminga work his way into that top three conversation or maybe even be selected by the Cavs? Um, I think that is always great just for the Cavs to do their uh, due diligence. Uh, there's always going to be some type of star player that uh, doesn't get drafted in the lottery or isn't top five. Um, I think on average, um, don't quote me on this as far as the exact number, but I know on average it's only about maybe I think two to three players out the lottery that actually ends up being a star. So um, that being said, you know, you, you have to do your due diligence. You have to look at everything. Uh, possible, especially if they're that type of talent. With that being said, I don't think that he would um be in legit conversation. But do I think that he's gonna get a look? Yes. Do I think he's gonna get interviews? Yes. Do I think they're gonna um look at you know you know his background and try to learn as much as possible about him before making any type of final conclusions as far as who they would draft? Yes. But I think it will come down to uh, just where they're at and them trying to get someone that has a high ceiling and. Um, already has a high floor. And I think we're looking at someone like Mobley and uh, Jalen Green. I think they fit that mode as someone that has a, a very high floor as well. I think the one I guess I kind of think of is just because it was so recently was Pat Williams, obviously someone who skyrocketed up the board late. Um, and obviously I think there is a more – I think this year's top three is a lot more set than last year's top three. And uh, Kaminga is already kind of in that four or five range. So I don't know how much there really is for him to rise. But, Dan, do you think that there's a chance that a guy like him, just because of that star upside, because of the shot creation ability, um, that he's a guy who could maybe work his way as we kind of progress here closer to the draft into that top three conversation, even if he's not the pick? Yeah, I mean, the Cavs could love the size. Um, I, that, to be that, honest, I love the size. I, I love Kobe. Yeah, I, I don't so. think I'd take him here, but... Yeah, I like him very much. Yeah, I mean he's he's one of those guys that's kind of like could be a three. I think he could play a fair amount at the four. I just think his um, ability to get downhill almost at will at times, um, just kind of assert himself is it could teams could fall in love with. Um, the shot does look good. Um, I think like Matt Babcock um, said that recently um, uh, when he was on like Baskin and Phelps said that. He wouldn't be, like, completely shocked if the Cavs were to take him, maybe, um, just because of the ceiling. Um, defensively, he's – I think he could have definitely guard one through four. Uh, just – obviously, the swing skill is kind of similar, but I, I just think with the overlap somewhat with Okoro and, and kind of a guy that's a little bit um, objectively raw offensively from that standpoint, um, how much can he play off the ball – um, I, I don't think there's really a, a big chance that the Cavs could, but again, it's a guy that could have. I, I, I think he all. I think I, I don't think it's complete hyperbole to say he could be Kawhi down the road. No, I'm kind of I'm with you there, and I think you know, the biggest questions about him are obviously just the fact that he is a little bit raw. He's a good athlete. He's not a terrific athlete. It's not green athlete. Um, athlete. No, he's not that level of athlete. Um, He's, he he about... separates guys though when he drives like he goes mm-hmm. chest to chest like you're yeah. not you're not getting in front of that. There are clearly questions about the shot. Um, I believe in the shot long term, but there are questions out there. There's questions about the feel, um, just for the game again. Off-ball just defense be... is a little bit of a question mark, it seems. Yeah, and uh, you know I think that that's something that again he's, he's not 19. as far along. Actually, no, as... is he 19 yet? Even I don't. Know. I think he's the youngest Maybe. player in the draft, right? I. Because he's reclassified. Exact age, yeah. But I, I think you know, you look at those top four guys, yeah, he's 18, even if you include he's Suggs. until October still. Mm-hmm. So like, I get he, it in that sort of way. But that for the Cavs specifically, that's almost like a negative too because they have they're so young. <laughs> yeah, he kind of strikes me as um, where I think that he could level out at if he doesn't reach uh, any type of ceiling. Would be someone like a Harrison Barnes, which isn't bad. No, I think that that'd be a good outcome. Yeah, Harrison I mean, Barnes. I, I think was, he has. He was an underrated contributor for the Cavs title too. 
Exactly. <laughs> but, no, I, th- I think, like, he could... Harrison Barnes could be the outcome. I think it could be a lot higher than that, too. Like, it's I a think solid floor, though. It is, yeah. And, you know, maybe his floor is a little bit lower than that, just because, again, he is very raw. But, like, if your median outcome, we'll say, is Harrison Barnes, like, I think that's something that you would be happy with. Even if, you know, it's not at the same level of some of the other guys, just because, again, I think... Even looking at Jalen Suggs, I just think that those four guys um, have higher floors. But Kaminga is definitely going to be an interesting one. I think we will wrap it up there, but it will be interesting to see how all of this stuff progresses as we move forward. Um, you know, what the Pistons decide to do, I think, you know, we'll end up seeing before too long that Kate ends up being the guy. But you never know. We'll just have to see. We'll have to see what the Rockets want to do. All of it will be interesting. But uh, anything else that either you want to say – Talk about before we get out of here. Um, I mean, I don't really have much to say other than um, I think the Cavs, like I said, I think the, the conclusion, at least for me, um, I'm very happy with where the Cavs are at. Getting a, a third pick was, I think, uh, tremendous for this team. I, I think that's just something this city needed, um, especially with the All-Star game being in 2022. Uh, more than likely going to have a guy on our team that's going to be able to represent us. Um, in a Rising Stars game, as long as they don't, uh, you know, snub us out like they do every other year with guys like Sexy <laughs> Garland. But, you know. Um, Shout out to Tyler Hero. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, oh, but at the end of the day, I think we have a lot to look forward to. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think Kaz are in a good space. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Um, I thank still you, believe Daniel, for coming on. For the record. Me too. I wonder so what it Cam would Rush take. As well. I wonder what it would take to keep, to just throw a flyer out there for Cam Rush. I don't know. Love to see that. What would it take? Like, could you do something for like Jetty in multiple seconds? Maybe I don't like, know. I, I'm thinking I that's a know. possibility. I don't know. Maybe we can talk about it later. Yeah. But uh, thank you, Dan, as always, for coming on. Thank you, Ralph, for making your debut. It was a blast to have you on. I hope we can have you on again soon. Again, that is at the Pull Up King one on Twitter. Um, follow him for a bunch of great content there. Again, talking about the draft, talking about the Cavs, talking about why you shouldn't trade Colin Sexton. All of it is great. Um, so yeah, follow him. Follow me and Dan too if you want to, um, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.